0: sounds from audibles we live (laughs) live.
1: (laughs) it doesn't matter because we're already live
0: we are live i can turn it down Is what i'm saying welcome guys to the man better podcast we are joined for the second time by our lovely talented award-winning i don't actually know if you want i'm sure you've won an award
1: yeah there
0: you go i figured i'd just throw that in there and
1: there's a good chance
0: that she did win an award i don't know what award but uh (laughs) erin grace clark and my orange friend in new york city uh (laughs) david corona (laughs) david corona all right guys so we wanted to get erin back on here after our last episode uh as she has a very interesting fitness journey and we both know her personally we worked with her over the years uh her and i going back to 1997 That's right. Let's age ourselves. Um. Oh, shut up.
1: (laughs) About 20 years now. Oh gosh,
0: we're old. Yeah. Yeah, you guys ain't old. I do I do have my uh old, then what are you? Random Brooklyn Tech soccer shirt here. Oh,
1: I should have brought something. I have (laughs) my tech track um, t-shirt. I still have my boathouse, which is the whole uniform that you wear, the warm-up uniform before you run. Yeah, I got
2: all of that stuff still. Well, as we I dive got into it, got next. Y'all have to eat that.
1: Okay, but how about I went to Brooklyn Tech with Bo, and I went to Syracuse. Not with Corona, but I went to Syracuse. You got well.
0: next. So, yeah, yeah. You, you got next season, guy, because this is not your season, is, oh, is what's happening oh, there. Oh, it hurts. Let's not even bring up the Buffalo Bills. All right, moving on, guys. So Lizzo might make an appearance later in the show. Is all I'm saying, and we're going to jump back into uh, talking about Aaron, all about Erin right now. I'm going to let these two kind of take it, it, go into it with Erin telling us about her fitness journey. You mentioned Brooklyn Tech, you started cross-country, track and field, um, and, and let's take that all the way up to today, and spoiler alert, we're going to talk about your knee injury, but <laughs> I'll let you kind of uh, yeah, right. dive into it.
1: All righty. So um, I've been running um, almost all my life. I'd say that I started running and or playing organized sports in high school at Brooklyn Tech. But I started running from probably elementary school. Uh, we had field days. And that's when I think that I first discovered that I had a talent and I was one of the faster kids. And then I started going to sleepaway camp for, um, I think, about six or seven summers. And I was always chosen for the running activities. So um, funny thing, actually, I also swam at summer camp as well. And when my parents would come up for Parents' Day, there was always um, a uh, the, the swim team would, would put together um, something for the parents to see. There was not a track team at camp, so my parents didn't really know that I was interested in running. So when I went to Brooklyn Tech, the first week there were tryouts for all the teams. And so I told my mom I would try out for the swim team and I would try out for the track team. And I went to the first, I guess, informational session for the swim team. And I was told that there were practices every day, often two times a day, at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. And being a black girl whose hair was permed, I was like, yeah, I'm not getting my hair wet every day. <laughs> so uh, I think that's gonna be a no for me and the swim team. And I remember coming home and telling my mom that, and she was pissed. Can I say pissed? Ooh, that, you can say me.
0: whatever you want. This is uh <laughs>
1: But yeah, she was not happy. She told me that I was dashing my dreams um, or I was dashing a a future because I was being vain. She had no idea that um, I had um, skills in running and she told me that I was actually going to quit the track team within like a week or a month. Well, the joke's on her because I ended up running all four years. Uh, I ran uh, indoor and outdoor track. I also was a jumper, so I participated in field events such as high jump, long jump, and sometimes I did triple jump. I ended up being a pentathlete because I was a long jumper and a high jumper, and those were two of um, the events that are part of the pentathlon. And then our coach was a masochist and he made everyone run cross country as well. So I ran indoor, outdoor, and cross country, and then as an adult, what, what are you showing us there, Bo? <laughs> my,
0: my fancy Mexican skull mug that I'm drinking out of. Sorry.
1: Uh, I mean, it, look, if there's a way to to bring that into what we're talking about, then I surely will. But I don't think that's anything. It's just random, just random. Very random. There's
2: nothing. There's nothing there. Let's keep going. I mean,
1: I didn't know if, if Bo was telling me I was talking too much, and like he wanted to kill me because there's a skull. I, I didn't know. what was going on. <laughs>
0: is, is, is that what happened on New York One? Do you want to talk about that? Was that was that how they would tell we
1: haven't you? Not in there yet. We haven't even gotten there yet. Um, you know, we'll, we'll fast forward to me becoming an adult. I um I didn't run for um my college. I went to University of Pittsburgh for um undergrad and. I joined the track team for a very short time um it's negligible but um i still ran for fitness ran on the treadmill ran um in my community when i got back home and so as i got older i started running road races started with um 5ks because that's what i was familiar with for those of you who don't know what a 5k is that's just a 3.1 mile race and uh, that's what i had run in high school for cross country that is the uh, distance for the varsity runners and then i don't know i got um it in my head that i wanted to run a half marathon and i ran my first half marathon in 2014 it was the new york road runners um new york city half marathon and Anyone who knows me knows that I was very adamant about never running a marathon, um, not because I didn't think I could do it, but just because I didn't want to dedicate the time to training for a marathon. I had dedicated the time to training for a half marathon, and that's a lot. You know, when you're training for a half or a marathon, one day, at least one day out of your week, and it's usually one day out of your weekend, is dedicated to your long runs. And um 26.2 miles, the average finishing time for that is four hours and 30 minutes. And so you got to think that when you're training, you're running for that amount of time or longer, because most people run their training run slower than they would run their race. So you're thinking that you're running, you're you're, you're dedicating about four or more hours for several weeks um, to one week day. And if... You are not properly um, hydrating, eating, um, if you're out partying, then you're not going to be healthy enough to run that. And then, you know, have a fun day, brunch, drink, whatever you want to do on the weekend. I just didn't want to give up my weekends. Uh, at the time that I was training for the half marathons, I was working as a reporter for New York One, and I was already working on one weekend day. And so it just seemed like too much. But uh, here we are, fast forward to the pandemic and joining Run, Hustle, Run, being back in New York City after leaving news, having more time. I decided, oh, I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to run this marathon. Um, I, it actually, you know, the opportunity to do so fell into my lap. Um, I was granted um, a guaranteed entry spot into the marathon, the New York City marathon, that is. And um, last year was the 50th anniversary of the marathon. So I figured, why not? I'll be one and done, I'll run this marathon, and that's what I did. But also, it's not one and done. I um, entered myself into the lottery for two more marathons, the Chicago Marathon and the Berlin Marathon. I didn't get into Chicago, but I did get into Berlin. So I'll be running a second. So yeah, there is my running journey thus far. And as Bogo said, um, or, or Dr. Bo. Sorry, guys. I know him as Bobo. That's, that's what everyone called him in high school. But as Dr. Bo said, I do have a knee injury. And um, you, anyone who has seen me run, um, seen all the pictures from the marathon, uh, clearly knows something was up with that knee because I was wearing a brace for the marathon. And that's what Bobo p- um, pointed out. So yeah, there's the running journey. There it is. Well, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Karina. no, no.
0: Go
2: ahead. No, go ahead, Bo. Take it over. Go ahead. Well,
0: I wanted to know about the injury, as that is my background. That's the doctor's physical therapy. Uh, what? How long has that been going on? Do we? Uh, you mentioned maybe all the way back to high school with the jumping, planning off um, that left I leg. That,
1: I think that you know it probably started in high school, but I wasn't feeling any pain in high school or college or even in my 20s. But I think um, it's that the injuries on my left side, on my left knee and um, I jumped, I planted on my left knee as a long jumper and a high jumper. So I think just the impact over the years uh, maybe favoring that side of my body uh, contributed to that. But um, in February of 2020, is the first time I remember noticing some pain. Um, I was just running um, a weekly run with my run crew, run, hustle, run, Uh, that's the sweatshirt that I'm wearing here, Mm -hmm. and um, I I planted and I felt, um, I wouldn't say a sharp pain, but I felt a pain in my knee and um, I I didn't know what it was from. I took off maybe a week or two and it felt okay. It's always felt, okay enough to run, but it's something that's noticeable. And so after a couple of months, I decided to go get it checked out. So I um, ended up having some x-rays and MRI. And after the MRI, thankfully I was told there were no tears, there were no broken bones, but um, what I was diagnosed with is something called um, chondromalacia, which is just wear and tear. Of um you, I guess the cartilage under the knee. Um to me, that just seems like I'm old, but
2: <laughs> let me let me let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, yeah. right? So so you have Condo Malaysia of the Patella. Um there's a point in time when you're running at this point in time, you're running, and I, I know this with a lot of runners. Uh you guys continue to run no matter what. I don't, give yeah. a, I don't care what type of injury you got. You guys. That's
1: not you guys the athlete.
2: The, but it doesn't, that's not what we're talking about. When <laughs> I'm, when I'm, when, I, when I'm discussing with you is there's a point in time where you got pain and that point in time came when you got pain and you were probably on a run and you got the pain and you said, well, well, shoot, I still got another mile to run. I'm going to run my last mile and then I'm going to go home and then I'm going to do what, what Bo loves so much, which is I'm going to take some time off. I'm not going to fix anything. Hopefully, the pain goes away, and then I go back out and run again. And I'll be fine.
1: Well, so, I did my little fixes. You know, I applied ice or heat, elevated the leg.
2: Um, no, no, let me stop you. Let me stop you. Let me stop you. At at what point in time? Because I, because you should check our episode two about about therapists because the doctor was it, is it about there I think it's about therapists, but the doctor giving you an X ray is really irrelevant because you know you didn't break a bone. That's the first thing. We know you didn't break a ball. You know it was a soft tissue type of deal, right? Yeah. And I'm just trying to get into the mind of a runner because you can't get me to run 26.2 miles. I'm going to be in a car, I'll be on a bike, but you ain't going to get me to run. So, and I'm a person who has three knee surgeries. At what point do you get where you're running and you say, and you continue to run and you say, this is okay? It's going to go away. And, and what I'm trying to get is, I'm trying to get into your brain a little bit. Because there's pain, and mm-hmm. that pain's not just affecting you at the knee joint; it's affecting you at the hip. Yeah, it's affecting you at the back. It's helping you, and it's affecting you on a daily basis. So I'm trying to get into your mind to find out at what point you go see a doctor. Did you not? And the other question I have: when you went to go see the doctor, did you not find it odd that he wanted to see if you broke a bone? Don't you think you would have known if you broke a bone? I thought it was
1: odd too, but I—I I shouldn't say odd. I, I thought that it was unnecessary, but. Yes um not odd and i'll explain why not odd because for whatever reason even though i knew that it was probably a soft tissue injury um and i told the doctor what i thought it could have been i thought maybe it was a meniscus tear and that's even worse than you know the the what i was diagnosed with but um the doctor says that we always have to do an x-ray first and I think that it's a waste. Uh, I have a friend uh, now, another friend that I I run with and um, she was just diagnosed with um, a meniscus tear and she had to have an x-ray before that to rule out that it was a bone being broken. I think this is something that we had talked about um, either in planning for uh, this podcast or the first one that I was on or even um, just on the actual show that there's a lot of waste in trying to heal athletes and um that that in itself kind of turns people away because it costs money to get an x-ray and then go and do an mri um the mri already is very expensive x-rays are usually less expensive but um if i have to shell out x amount of money and know that I'm still going to have to shell out a couple of hundred dollars more, that may discourage me or somebody else from, from going and getting help. And I think that that played into it a little bit. You know, I'm trying to get back to what your initial question was, Dave. Um, why did it take so long? I think that's what you were getting at. Why did it take so long for me to go to the doctor? And um, that's, that, that's part of it. Um, going to the doctor costs money. I do have health insurance, but I still have to pay a copay. Um, also... As athletes, we're trained and conditioned to work through a certain amount of pain, I'm lifting weights, training that hurts. And so, if I'm hurting a little bit, you know, maybe I'm a punk if I stop. <laughs> so, there's,
0: there's yeah. a bit of the no pain, no gain mentality. Oh, yeah. And we have a, another class of 2001, Brooklyn Tech graduate, who commented, If the pain isn't sharp, you run through it. Now, he also uh, was a Marine. So, a little extra uh, level of, of uh, masochism there, if That's you will.
1: Ronaldo. Hey, Ronaldo!
0: <laughs> hey, Ronaldo!
2: Don't know you, but love you, kid.
0: Thanks for joining us, well. Um, But yeah, I'll just jump in real quick to answer. To I knew you a were little. going to.
2: I, I was, I was,
0: I was holding it back. Um, but working with a lot of runners, and I did play in that running space a bit. in, in right before I found like CrossFit around 2009, 2010, I was doing a lot of half marathons. I was training and, and building up to get to the, the New York City Marathon, of course, was my kind of goal, but uh, realized at some point, like, it's just, it's not what I want to do and it's not the best thing for my body, uh, to Corona's point a little bit. It's just, I, I was able to look at the research and the science and just like the accomplishment for me wasn't really lining up. So, but, and, and to the point of if the pain isn't sharp, you run through it, uh, to a little bit of what Aaron's describing. I think that runners that I've worked with over my uh, long careers and always feel old saying that, but uh, it runners will keep going until they cannot keep going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, and if it's really painful again, they'll keep going until it shows up in their hip or their ankle or their low back or wherever it's going to go. And until basically it's really, really sharp. Like you, you know, uh, uh, Ronaldo alluded to. So, and it's, and it's just limiting you from being able to do it. So, 100%. So I want to jump and and kind of not self-promote here, but Aaron, I took Aaron through my virtual screening, and that could have given us enough information, and I charge a lot less than the x-rays and going to see a medical doctor and all that stuff. So my question is, having gone through that process of videoing yourself, doing these, you just did the 16 tests, my basic 16 tests. Uh, You did one of them twice, which is good. But yeah, I want to know what your experience with that virtual screening was and how does that compare to going to a doctor, getting an x-ray, and and we'll kind of bring those two together if we can.
1: I think that I would have preferred somebody to evaluate me as you were going through the process of first so that we could kind of rule out what the injury probably wasn't. I mean, I know that at some point I would have had to get an MRI or an X-ray or or some kind of um, testing done. But um, if someone could look at me and say, well, based on the way your body is moving, this is what it may be, then I would have had a better idea. And then if there was a doctor who could work with someone such as yourself who did this analysis, then I think that I would have eliminated some unnecessary steps and maybe been able to um, put together with, the doctor, um, who did these tests, conducted these tests, um, a physical therapist, such as yourself, maybe a trainer such as Dave, we could have put together a plan that, um, would have helped me. Now I did go to, um, a personal, not a personal trainer, a physical therapist, and, um, he was very helpful. In fact, um, I continued to go to him. Um, I, I went to him a couple of months in November of 2020. So that was right after I went and got the MRI. And then when I decided that I was going to run the marathon, I decided to go back to him just um, kind of to, to make sure I was in a good place. I knew I was going to be doing a lot of training, some heavy training, and um, I wanted to make sure that my body could handle that. And if I was experiencing any pain, that we could kind of triage that. Awesome, David. You had a question?
2: Yeah, no. I'm just. I I I know from our experience. You know, we we talked about and with the physiotherapist episode that we did. Um, you know, we 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 say this over and over again. Um, our medical system is a little messed up because they should go to see a physio first before you start spending money on an X-ray and an MRI. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of surgeries that are being performed. That meniscus surgery gets overperformed, also. Um, where you see a lot of people going in and getting surgeries and it's usually runners. It's a lot of runners that go through that. You know, I tell people who run long distance and do marathons all the time. The only thing that gives, um, between the cement and you is you, um, your body's going to give, uh, before the cement is, but I want, I wanted to jump in and just basically say, if you do have an injury and you are a runner, it'd be in your best interest to go see a physiotherapist first so that they can give you, A background. It might be an investment of whatever it is, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it might be. But it's a lot less than you going and getting whatever it is, ten thousand dollars in an X-ray or whatever the MRI or whatever that might be, um, because the physio can put you on the on the course of rejuvenation and and coming back quicker than the doctor. Um, and that's what I really wanted to put in because I think the listeners need to understand, especially the um, the runners like Ronaldo. I think it was Ronaldo who was on here earlier. Um, yeah, if you have that pain, do go see a physiotherapist. They can at least assess you to what's going on. Because by the time you have the pain in the hip and in the ankle, we got we got issues. And if we got issues, uh, those issues are going to be compounded um, by the injury that you're compensating for. So, so we really I need to look at that.
1: About, but I think that it would be useful for folks listening to this, um, my running friends, for you to tell us what a physiotherapist is.
2: Bo, go ahead. It's your, that's your house.
0: <laughs> yes. woo yes, Open do. it up. So that's that's the thing. We, we are primary musculoskeletal experts uh, in, in terms of any aspect of bones, muscles, joints, uh and and any physical activity you're doing uh we should be the first line of defense and again we use that term primary care physical therapist because and again there are hospitals where if you go into the hospital with back pain there's a physical therapist in the emergency department because Mm -hmm. we are the best equipped to save time money and get you to the best answer possible of what's going on with your knee what's going on with your back uh versus going through well here's a pill. Uh, here's, you know, x-rays, MRIs, all that stuff. And again, we are also educated and we're at a doctoral level, Dr. Bo, wherever you see that, uh, <laughs> <one> <laughs> of the, like that just, but, but we're at a doctoral level because the word doctor just means expert. And what we are expert at is the it's really neuromusculoskeletal system. So when there's the, the brain is, is working with your muscles and there's injuries, how is that all playing together? How can we affect that? that's our expertise so back to simplified a little bit is on top of don't wait until you have that screaming pain yeah a and the, the the really simple analogy there is is listen to the whispers before they become yells and then you were mentioning you know your your running group and things like that I believe everyone who starts running should go through and performing any physical activity and this is common right uh if, if you guys have ever watched television right and and there's Bowflex or whatever was the commercial it says uh, there's a little disclaimer at the end that says uh, you know check with your physician before starting any new exercise regimen or whatever we're that expert the same and, and technically that's why we're doctor we're, it's a physician of musculoskeletal health um, and so that's somebody and something that you're taking on this running activity and as Corona kind of alluded to it's a very dangerous activity we don't think of it as dangerous but it has one of the highest injury rates of any activity in the world, it's over ninety percent injury rate. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Um, and so, a on top of the high injury rate, the the it's very simple to fix this stuff, but very few people. Take the time, invest in. Hey, let me have someone. And and part of it is is my profession, the physical therapist. You even needed to ask, like, what is a physiotherapist? We don't get portrayed in the best light in the media. If anyone watched the recent Cobra Kai series on Netflix, uh, the the physical therapist who was in there it was a hippy dippy, like, I'm gonna stretch you out, bro, and like, and and it was very. I was like, this this can't be the thing that we're doing. Um, and then bottom line is, uh, I think that every activity. and let's focus specifically on running should have a pre activity screening for any, any high school athlete. And I, I I mean, it was a little bit less probably common back when you and I were at Brooklyn tech in in those late nineties, but now almost any sport has, you have to get cleared by a doctor or somebody who can and is is trained to like myself uh, clear you for physical activity. So now we're in adulthood, we don't have that kind of governance. And so, we're here. Uh, and, and again, I'm curious, you know, again, you, you went to see the doctor when you had uh, knee pain, would you not now, you know, me, we've had this experience, but most people don't know that you can go right to a physical therapist and yeah, they're going to give have, you,
1: I wouldn't have known that I wouldn't have gone to a, a physical therapist first. I thought that you have to go. The, the, the insurance companies mm-hmm. think that you have to go through this. I'm going to
2: stop you. I'm <laughs> going to stop you. I'm going to stop you, Aaron. And I love you, but I'm going to stop you. The, re- the reason I'm going to stop you is because we are so, we've been so bred to sit here and wait for a referral. Yeah.
1: That's
2: okay? What say. okay. And that referral, and this is going back to episode two again, that referral is only going to deal with your knee anything that comes into the knee inserts in the knee or comes into that knee that may be causing the pain. They will not address.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. So what you need to do is you need to take your money and you might say, well, I don't have the money. Well, really you take 150 bucks out, stop having a dinner, stop, stop doing something and you go see a physical therapist and they're going to look at you from head to toe when you pay them in cash. If you do it on insurance, they're going to take the segment. They may fix the area, but it doesn't care the problem. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem that we run into because we've all been, and let me tell you something, Aaron, I'm there with you. I didn't, the more I learn, the better I get at this. What we did not, we've always waited for a referral because we didn't want to pay that money. And the reality is, if we paid the money, we wouldn't have paid the ten dollars to $20,000, $30,000 that we paid for the stupid x-ray, for the stupid MRI. We would get a more accurate assessment about what's wrong with us. And we can actually speed up the process of healing. So, your, interrupt. so your
1: advice is just go straight to a physical therapist if you're feeling pain.
2: Yes, 100%. And by the way, and I'll say this to you. He's don't, not doing don't. it for himself. I'll do it. You call Bo, because he's one of the best at it but don't wait
0: until you're feeling pain is is another part of what I'm saying. You were talking about your runner's group, run, hustle, run. And again, I would say, and I've been in CrossFit gyms. I've been at F45s at Peloton place, you know, like I've talked to all these different people, anyone participating in any kind of athletic activity, which if you're getting up off the couch and walking your dog, that can be an athletic activity. Um, you should have, just like you wouldn't drive your car from your garage to the store and back without knowing or having had your car somewhat checked out that, yeah. Hey, your brake pads are good. Your, your uh, wheels are in alignment. You know, you got your oil levels, all that good stuff. So the same way you would do that for your car, let alone if you're going on a road trip from LA to New York and you're doing this big thing, like running a marathon, uh, you would have your car checked. You should have your body checked. It, it we, we think we know, and we have that it's the ego, it's the lizard brain, whatever we want to say, but like, you're just like, Hey, I'm running. Like whatever, I, have a, I got a little knee pain. Whatever. That's everyone. Every, everyone here. You know, you, you look around. You have your other thirty-eight year olds all around you. Oh, everyone's. Oh, my elbow hurts, and I woke up, and my back,
1: and that, it's it's common, but it is avoidable. Well, what you guys are talking about is a change in conditioning and sure. a change in conditioning for everyone, not just me, not just runners, people in general, anyone who wants to, like you said, be active. We have to start thinking that before we decide to engage in physical activities, that we should get our bodies checked out. And that is something that I think most people are not used to thinking. That, that,
2: that, that, that's that's a that's a hundred percent right because a lot of the injuries you're seeing now, Bo made a statement um in one of our earlier podcasts that said, and 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 the statement rings with me every single time I think about it. Our genetics aren't made for the way we're living our lives. The modern so, world, yes. Modern world. So this modern world we're living in, our genetics don't sit there. We're supposed to move. We're sitting in front of computers every day. And a lot of the injuries I see in, in, in kids have to do with sitting and some of the things that they're developing, the tightness they're developing, just from being in front of a computer, sitting on their bed, Indian style, looking at a laptop and doing that for hours. So <laughs> we, we are creating the issue And we can easily take it away if we're better, if we understand. And we have to have more, everybody's sending, and this is the time of the year where everybody sends everybody. You want to lose 20 pounds? I got it. Here, take a bill. You want to do this? I got it. Do this. You want to lose fat? Put on the belly blaster. It's
1: the beginning of the year, resolutions.
2: The resolution, and resolutions never work. Don't get me on that. It's a whole different topic. We we did a podcast on that. We did a podcast on that. But what I'm getting at is that we, as people, need to become – we need to stop being lizard brain, as Bo says, and we really need to start realizing that we can control the cost of what we have, lower the injury rate, and actually have a better outcome if we're a little bit more on the ball with things.
0: Would you agree, Bo? 100%. And, and again, I've been fighting this battle ever since I went into business for myself and outside that insurance model back around 2010 – um, and tried to heal people through fitness. And that looked like CrossFit most of the time. And I was trying to sneak in. And, and again, there's that sexy CrossFitness or whatever mm-hmm. the appeal of it. Um, and that was like, cool, let's get people in the door. And now let's sneak in this less sexy stuff of sleep better, eat better, you know, get screened so we, we figure out what's happening. And, and so you have less injuries. Hey, Quato, another uh, Brooklyn Tech guy. Just Brooklyn
2: Tech, up. woo woo. woo. We roll deep. We roll deep.
1: <laughs> You're outnumbered. You need to. Dave is outnumbered. You need to get some of your Q's friends on here.
2: Yeah, baby. Tech. So, so Bo, tell me, tell me what what did you learn from the the exams that Aaron did? What what did, what are the takeaways in terms of Aaron's injury or Aaron's movement patterns? So, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and
0: applaud Aaron and she passed a lot of the tests actually, that most runners that I work with do not pass. Well, that's a good um, Yeah,
1: I'm, I,
0: I, I can run. <laughs> I, did, I didn't say that, I didn't, say that. I didn't say that. She's <laughs> <I laughs> an overachiever. I, <laughs> I am an overachiever. <laughs> um, a couple things, so we did 16 movements, for anyone kind of catching up, Quado, you need to do this too. Uh, <laughs> we We did 16 different movements, she sent me the videos of those movements. Uh and again it was it's very kind of uh, surface level. Now there's running parts to it that I like to see every runner do. So again, I was very impressed that you got twenty calf raises per leg. That's something I think every runner should do, be able to do it. Not every runner I've seen can do that. Uh so so again, good stuff. Then you had uh 20 side plank leg raises and you said how much you hate them, which means you I probably do, do them a lot.
1: My side planks, they yeah. are the my existence.
0: But they're very important for, you know, again, as your foot hits the ground, all that power, that Corona saying travels up, the, the the force impact travels up your knee, hip, and back. If you have good side plank strength, and this is why it's a prerequisite for me to tell someone you can go run, you were able to do 20. So two for two there. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aiming for that goal star.
0: That's right. Uh, now let's get to the bad stuff. So... <laughs> A, uh, before we even did any of this, seeing a brace on a knee to me, oh. especially if it's on one knee to me, and I saw the photo of you doing the New York City Marathon and I saw the brace on the knee and that's why I was like, oh, like, and again, I'm not one to comment like you shouldn't be running uh, because, uh, but now that we have this conversation, now that we have the screening at the end of the day for me, uh, from the screens that we did also, I tried, we tried to have a ba- very basic step down test. And this is one you knew you failed the first time. So (laughs) Quato said D students over here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're overachievers, Quato, we're overachievers. (laughs) So uh, the step down with your left leg, which is where the injury is, it did not have the control we're looking for. And it's a very short range of motion that step downs doing. Um, And then we combine it with again, all these other data points. So one of the other things we looked at was your air squat. And so a couple things with your air squat is your, your toes are lifting up, which is one reason I encourage looking at this barefoot and something else. Again, most physical therapists out there, I'm going to call my profession out. Do not do, they don't look at things barefoot and, and a lot of things can get hidden in those shoes, especially running shoes, which are very cushioned. And I saw your very cushioned running shoes, uh, which again is like, it's tempting to wear. Cause again, as Corona said, there's a lot of impact. Uh, we can go through the numbers of like your body weight times every time your foot hits the yeah. ground times the concrete coming up. So it's tempting to have that. Oh, he was just talking about himself being a D student. I don't, I don't know why he feels not need to talk about himself.
1: <laughs> well, um, I want to ask a question mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. before I forget it. So we're talking about cushioned shoes and um, yeah, I, I like running in more cushioned shoes. The running shoes that I train in, the running sneakers that I train in are um, Brooks Ghost. They're not the um, most cushioned, but they, they're they probably the medium level cushion. Uh, but I have a friend who is a firm believer in running in Vibrams or sneakers that are more like um, barefoot running sneakers. Yeah. Um, what are your suggestions? Are you more um, on the side of closer to less cushioning?
2: Oh, this is going to be it's, a,
0: it's It's an excellent question. The answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> the answer is we, you should build up to that. Yes, if that makes sense. So, yes,
1: no, that's what he said. Oh, so and- that's
0: exactly what it is. And so, back in uh, when I was a physical therapy student and just coming out of school, there was a book that came out called *Born to Run*, which made the argument that we should all be running barefoot and look at the Kenyans and they win all their marathons and they're all running barefoot and maybe they strap a little uh, thing under their foot, but it's very minimalist. So, a hundred percent, I want folks to be able to run barefoot. But it's it's just like I want you to be able to do a squat with b- your feet st- sticking together. It's can you get to that point? So you have to earn that ability to run barefoot. Okay. And but also every time you run with super cushioned shoes, you're kind of doing disservice to your feet because your feet are getting weaker, especially if you're firing. They're not firing. It's wearing a cast. If you've ever broken a bone and what happens to all the muscles underneath that bone, they start to wither away and atrophy and die. So there's a lot there. So the simple-ish answer I can give to your question, which I think is an awesome question, is you. Sh- everyone should work towards more minimalist shoes, for sure. And But there's a ton of factors that go into that. Um, and again, it comes down to one of the tests I did not do for you, and I'm just going to describe it here. If I have my foot in, on the camera, can you lift your big toe up by itself? Can you lift your four other little toes up? And can you create and basically... Uh, you know, have fine motor movement of your feet. If you cannot do that, again, you're probably far away from what's needed to absorb the power of uh, of what's going on there. So even with your step down, I would say you should not be you should not be running based on your step down. I know you don't want to hear that yet, but we want to make that step down part stronger, better because again, every time your foot's hitting the ground and the other test out of those 16 that really stood out to me, was your hip internal rotation where you have a foam roller in between your knees. Mm. And you kind of commented, this actually feels good when I'm doing it. Yeah. But your range of motion was limited and it was imbalanced side to side. Yeah. You were compensating a bit when you went to your left, just from that little test. So again, these are very basic things that uh, if you're out running, it's going to, it's going to be exaggerated. It's going to, you know, really uh, build up upon itself in kind of a negative way. So um, so that's kind of the, the long and short of all the testing stuff. And there, I would, I would, I have us do a few more tests. One other one that really stood out to me, and I'm going to call you out again. Here's the negative stuff. Sorry. Uh, is it's when sure
1: you could show these videos on the podcast so that folks could.
0: Uh, and I, we, we, we can, we can make, we can create a video of that. If you're, if you want to like give permission, and we so can,
1: folks have an idea and if they want to try them at home, then they can do them as well. So that they are seeing and understanding what we're talking about, right?
0: And I do post a lot of these. It's these. This is not like trade secrets. Like, of course, it's better if you do it directly with me, and I'll send it to you, and then we can you can get everything explained, and then I can give you that feedback right then and there. But I post a lot of these throughout my social media. You know, I have I have stuff at least once a week where it's an assessment and and that kind of thing, and people can do it at home. So it's all there. And I'm happy if you want to um, do that little it's small project where we can go through and show all these little things and record that and create that little kind of. File almost
2: of what your tests look like so uh
0: yeah if anyone wants to see that uh for for, for sure we can do that Bo, Bo, if-
2: i i do i do not to interrupt you but i do think what aaron just suggested i think is very vitally important because i think just like everybody else thinks that things are just so easy to do running is may seem easy but people don't realize what we're giving the information people are like that's stupid i just go out and just run there's nothing wrong with me But if you run and you start breaking down, you're going to start compensating, and then you're going to have a bigger problem on your hands. So I think um, what Bo's putting out there and what we're putting out there is really, really for you to have longevity in running. Um, I want to come back back for one second about the shoes you asked me about
0: because, again, anyone who's gone to get running shoes, and this reminded me of it, is you're getting that pronation control. Mm-hmm. or whatever the the issue with your foot is, right? So that's your, your foot's collapsing and rolling in. So that's why when I'm, I'm commenting on the fact that when I saw you squat, not only were your toes coming up, but your, your feet were kind of wobbling in a way that, again, to me, is going to translate over to running in a negative way. So even if you have pronation control in your shoe and the shoe's kind of or catching that, what's probably happening is it's going up into your kneecap. And maybe grinding on that yeah. kneecap a little more than a so which is how, again, uh, you, you, you said it actually very accurately from a scientific standpoint uh, of chondromalacia patella, which is the softening of the cartilage behind the kneecap, is a little bit of an eight. It's like saying you have wrinkles on your face. It's, it's kind of saying, you know, oh, you have a little bit of aging going on there. Now, maybe you have a little more aging on your left knee than your right knee. So now we're talking about something else. But I do want to come back to the fact that shoes hide a lot of these problems. Yes. And the 100%. more you can strengthen your feet and these movement patterns, and if you know you have pronation, and again, what the shoe companies say, hey, here's a shoe that's going to fix that for you, rather yeah. than say, hey, go and work with Dr. Bo, and he's going to give you a program where you can understand how to use your feet, and now you're not going to have that collapse, and now you're better at balancing, and now that's going to translate to a better performance and a safer a healthier way to run for your joints. So, yeah, I I think that's, that's a very important point to make. And again, we could do many, many episodes on, on all of that.
1: We could. I have two questions coming out of that. And I know we're running out of time, but what if I I get that it's more beneficial for you to run with a minimalist shoe, but like, what if I don't want to feel rocks? Like, and, and the you, can, hard,
0: you uh, can find the balance. Yeah. I understand your question, but you can find a balance of that for sure. Um, the bottom line is when you strengthen your feet more, uh, you're going to feel those rocks less a B you can get some cushioning. Uh, but again, it's about the toe drop as well. So the toe to the heel, the, the mm-hmm. they call it the drop and there's zero drop shoes and there's zero drop shoes that are super cushioned. But at the end of the day, uh, you don't always have to. So again, if I go running and, and it, I don't, incorporate it enough probably in my training, but I'll go trail running. I'm here in Colorado, so I like going and getting some some fresh air in the woods and things like that. So I'll wear a little bit of a thicker shoe. So I do get a little more cushioning. But 90 90 something percent of the time I'm in very minimalist shoes because I want my feet to feel the ground. I want my feet to be strong. The stronger they are, the more I can get away with other things versus constantly being in a cast, which is what those big cushiony shoes are. Okay. Uh, and so like rocks and things should not be your primary like concern. You know, I, I get it. It's a small inconvenience, but uh, in terms of your overall health, in terms of how your body functions, how your joints function. And again, we're 38, you and I, we're not going to talk about Corona's age, uh, but we, I, I, I had an ACL surgery cause I, I played football at a pickup football game at our Brooklyn tech football field. Uh, and that ACL surgery and, and having had that when I was uh, in 2008, uh, makes me ninety percent less, yeah, ninety percent likely to need a total knee replacement at some mm-hmm. point. So that's not great. Uh, running and based on everything you're telling me, you're definitely on a trajectory to need a total knee replacement in twenty or thirty years. So again, if I, and and I know you're smart enough, you're an A student. You know, we'll keep going back to the positives here. Uh, and it comes back to you. You, I assume, can look at that long term trajectory, even though you love running. And all, I'm not saying you have to stop running forever. but I'm saying is you should prepare your body a little bit better for running if you want to continue running so that yeah. you can avoid knee surgeries uh, in, in maybe sooner than 20 years. It might be in 10 years. Again, like that's where you want to go down that medical system. You don't like having to pay for x-rays and things now. But like, what's a surgery going to cost you in terms of cash out of your pocket and then time off from work and all these other aspects and not being able to do what you love? So at the end of the day, again, that's where... Our marketing sucks as a profession, as physical therapists, because we say, hey, we can take an hour or two hours and give you really basic stuff to do, and you're going to avoid all of these problems. And you're kicking that can so far down the road, you might not even need to ever deal with that can. So yeah, that's my sales spiel.
1: So let's get back to that final um, bad thing that you noticed and what that translates to. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, the bad thing being the step down, tap down, heels. You mentioned yeah. the
1: step down, you mentioned the external rotation, and you said there was mm-hmm. one other that stuck out to you.
0: Oh, the breathing. You breathe like everybody, like 95 to 98% of people, in that you're up in your chest, like Corona's doing now. And if you wanted to do it again. <laughs> And ironically, again, you'll appreciate this because you remember Coach De Benedetto at Brooklyn Tech. I'm sure. Debo, Debo, also the chorus teacher, and I mean, uh, it's
1: very weird that your high school football coach, you would think is this, you know, mean tough guy, is also the chamber chorus and choir leader. It's very weird.
2: Let's not do labels. Let's not do labels, people.
1: (laughs) But the interesting
0: thing there and something that stood out to me way before I ever got my doctorate in physical therapy and, uh, and I bring it up almost every time I talk about breathing is in 1998 or whatever, when I was playing football there, he understood that as a singer for a chorus, you have to breathe from your diaphragm and all the way down into your belly. That's how you perform better. And whenever I do these and I'm, I was a little surprised because you are a performer, you're on TV and I guess you only have like little short bursts of, of it. But uh, in order to sing and hit those deeper, better uh, chords, you need to learn to breathe into your belly. And that showed up as well in I did a very uh, one of the tests I do is a very basic core screening, which is just kind of reaching for your toes in a hollow position. Yeah. Uh, and you did well there. Right. That didn't look too hard. But when you were doing push-ups, your core was not engaging at all, and so that also, again, all these things come together. So when we look at all these sixteen data points, how does it all come together? How does it all connect? Um, and then in terms of the breathing too, if you can learn to breathe better while you run, I bet you're going to get faster. So if mm-hmm. you're looking at shaving ten minutes off of your marathon, I can teach you to breathe better right here and now. Probably in in you know in the next five minutes, we could do some drills and i can almost guarantee that's going to transfer over to your running and 100%. getting more efficiency per breath, per stride. and again, any golfer, any uh runner can when you're looking to shave a little bit of performance and improve just that little extra bit, 1 to 5%, uh that's when people people are willing to put in thousands of dollars, you know, hun- hundreds to thousands of dollars into improving that little bit and i'm like I, it's right there. you know, and and again, that's the sexy part where we're selling go golf- in your triathlon or your marathon, um, it's not like, hey, avoid knee pain and avoid knee surgery 10, 15 years from now. So that's that's the part I always struggle with as a marketing thing. So if you want to help me with that, we can we can fix that. But, yeah,
1: You guys are helping me, so I'm here to help. You. <laughs> uh,
0: real quick, I, we do have a question from Quato. And I'm just going to sh- sh- throw it on the screen here. Uh, suffered a sprain M- PCL, which is the posterior collateral ligament. Most people know about the ACL. Very common injury in professional sports. Uh, it never healed. He's ready to start a fitness journey. Uh, start he something to start PT or lose weight to take pressure off joints. I'm not sure. Um, Quado. I, I just want to.
1: I think he meant to say right best. Oh,
0: is it best right. to start PT or lose weight to take pressure off joints?
2: Um, I'm gonna say this to Qu- it's Quato, right? Yeah. Quato. Okay, Quato, I've been living without a PCL for the past 20 plus years. Um. I'll let Bo take since he's your classmate. I'll let you take the, the advice there, buddy. But Quadro, you're gonna be able to live just fine without a PCL. Don't worry well, about it. but me.
0: but he has a valid question of what's the what's yeah. the next best thing if he wants to start his fitness jersey journey? Should he lose weight uh, or or do some kind of physical therapy to take pressure off the joints? But, I'm but wait a say, minute,
2: doesn't it depend what he's going to do? Yes. So that's
0: that's the number one thing. At the end of the day, an assessment one-on-one, <laughs> just like with Aaron. Is always the, the the thing I'm gonna selfishly push towards the sleazy car salesman here of get assessed so that you move better, you learn to move better. Uh, and, and one other one, Aaron, your uh, your hinge. We need to we need to improve that hinge. And again, some of those movement patterns were mild, like little things where if somebody saw it on Instagram or whatever and you posted, I'm doing some Bose exercises, most people can be like, oh yeah, cool, she's doing good. I'm gonna say, hey, we can improve that a little bit. And how you activate when you're doing your pull with your TheraBand, uh, you you kind of were activating your upper traps again that comes into the breathing and all these things. So to Quato's question to your thought is get assessed so that we can make sure whatever imbalances there are, uh, you know, again, back to Erin's hips, she had a tighter left hip that we might look at and say, here's some things that we can do that ties into her injury that we're gonna help her improve and avoid any kind of pain there and get it to function better. At the end of the day, if you can move better, you can then perform better and have less injuries. And that's going to translate and, again, uh, ex- uh, expand over you know uh, tens of thousands of foot strikes um, <laughs> that – you know. and, again, with Erin, if we were going to go a little deeper, uh, I would look at what she looks like on a treadmill, and we can slow that down right. and say every time her left foot hits the ground, there's probably this little collapse. Every time her right foot hits the ground, there's a nice fluid pace. So we could look at that much deeper for the sport specifically. If Quata was going to do – Peloton to get in shape. That's something you don't really need your PCL for. And again, right. there's ways we could look at that and say, okay, cool. Here's what's going on with your body right now. Here's some imbalances. Here's how we fix that. And and again, we get you ready for game day, which could be you know every day. And again, I think it's important to change that mindset to you are an athlete. You know, so Aaron is an athlete. Quado
2: is an athlete. Everybody's so it's sports- an athlete.
1: So sport specific. It's activity specific. No, so- because.
2: I- I'll, I'll say this to you, Aaron, like like the the big thing when you have like a knee injury nine times out of 10, the therapist is going to tell you to get on a bike. That's what they're going to tell you. They're not going to tell you to go running. They're going to tell you to get on a bike. Um, sports specific. It, it, it all depends on lifestyle, too. There's so many components that go into this. But if you go to a physiotherapist, first and foremost, you can get a better breakdown and it can be actually centered better to what you need to do. Okay, so we got about 50 minutes. What's
1: the takeaway, guys? Oh, but <laughs> the takeaway well, yeah, what do you want to tell folks?
2: Well, well, the, the the well, we we had a two-part thing, but I'm gonna say the takeaway from this segment here is basically um, when you have an injury, you gotta go see a physical therapist first and foremost and pay the money. Go see the therapist. Find out what's wrong before you start spending really, really, really big money. The other thing I'm going to give you is um, when you when your body tells you something, believe it. If you have pain, don't run through that because you're only multiplying the amount of injuries and the amount of compensation or potential injury to have down the future. Bo.
0: Yeah, the other part of that is don't even wait until you have the injury. So if you're doing Peloton, if you're doing F forty five, if you're doing Barry's Bootcamp, CrossFit, whatever you're doing, if you're playing professional football, uh, get assessed. So you know it's it's the same way we do it with so many other things. And we talked about hiring a personal trainer on one of our episodes. Looking for a physical therapist, uh, they're specialists in running. So find a physical therapist who understands running. Uh, you know, I don't like to niche down because I do believe I I, I can talk to you, because I do have experience as a runner, as a triathlete, as a crossfitter, as a football player, um, all these different activities, which allow me to have that kind of uh, ability to talk to them. But if you're in your, if you want to, if you prefer it in person, I totally get that. Uh, And then go ahead and find, look for somebody in your area. You could Google it. You can check their websites, uh, find a physical therapist who understands running and who offers a screening. Um, Sometimes, and if they're they're just saying, hey, get this uh, custom-made orthotic then uh, they've just wasted your time and money. And I think they should be put out of business is my personal opinion, but Hey, maybe that's too strong of an opinion. I don't know. Uh, But at the end of the day that you're going to be better off at coming back to some kind of cross training, some kind of Quadro's point PCL what's going on. How how do you move? If you don't squat, well, that's going to carry over. If you're going to run, there's ways that we know that there's specific things that can translate better. And like I said, you have some, you have a good amount of those pieces already in place, which is awesome. And I would encourage everyone else to get, get up on Aaron's level on that, um, of calf raises and side plank leg lifts, where again, most people cannot do that stuff. And they're running, uh, tons of miles and they're just, I can almost guarantee they're grinding down parts of their joints and body, um, where you're at least ahead of that curve. But now if we can, for you bring it back to Here's some other things that that are problematic, and, and we can start to address that and fix it with little five-minute things every day. Uh, and, and and that's where, again, it's, it's just like getting your blood work done and saying, hey, you're deficient in vitamin D, you're deficient in vitamin uh, B12, so here's a pill for that. Same thing. Aaron, you're deficient in your step-down on your left knee, and you know that. And here's some vitamins and minerals for that, and you should take that every day. That's your medication. So that's where we're at.
2: Well, well
1: thank
2: you guys, this has been Well, we—I'm going to say this to you, Miss Clark. We're going to have to bring you back because I really, really would like to have this conversation into cultural barriers, uh, which which I think is going to take way too much time to do today. But I want to bring you back for that because I think we will open up a lot of eyes and minds going forward. But I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. And hopefully we're going to have you here with us a lot more than just today. Um, yeah, thank you barrier, so, so, so much.
1: The cultural barrier thing is something I guess I, I kind of got into by accident when I was telling you my journey in the beginning. And I said, I don't want to swim every day. I don't want to join the, the swim team because I didn't want to get my hair wet. Um, you know, Many, many black women know that growing up as a black girl thing. Like, I didn't get my hair wet. I just went to
2: the salon. Yeah. Girlfriend, girlfriend, (laughs) the whole swimming thing and being black is a cultural barrier, okay? (laughs) Bro, take us out. Bo, take us out today.
0: Well, yeah. Glad you guys uh, joined us here. Hope this conversation got you at least 1% better. Uh, Again, summing it all up as Aaron asked me to do. If you... Live if you love to move. If you're doing any kind of activity, please get assessed by me, by somebody like me, uh, who understands what they're doing. They're not just going to give you a quick fix. They're going to really address the root cause of what's going on and can give you this. Uh, it, it, it's not sexy. I don't. If, if we ever find a way to make it sexy. Google tried it. Google tried Google health and, and it wasn't sexy and it didn't work and nobody cared. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to rebuild it organically from the ground up grassroots. So hopefully we can get that going. So hopefully again, this conversation got you at least 1% better. I'm feeling good as hell. Lizzo, that was going to be that cultural aspect. We were going to come back to of uh, black women being unhealthy looking. And that does that get portrayed Next as a, good show. Thing, a bad thing. There's a little, little Next sneak so, thanks again, guys, for joining us. Uh, tell us how you feel about Lizzo and Adele losing weight and all that stuff. We're going to go, we're going to cover it all uh, here with Aaron Grace Clark, <laughs> David Corona, and uh, hope y'all have an awesome, awesome day. Peace.
1: Syracuse and Buffalo Bills all suck. Okay, just saying. Wow, that's what we're going out on.